Hello friends and welcome back to another episode of Bat Clips and Maple Dips, episode 99. Patrick Marsh and myself, Justin Anderson, with you here. Patrick, the Blue Jays are done. Uh, we're going to get into all the end of Blue Jays stuff this season, but we've got a little bit of sad business to take care of first. Uh, whenever a, an MLB legend passes away, we love to, uh, to chat about them for a minute. So Bob Gibson uh, this past week passed away, and, and, and our good friend, uh, Blue Jays beat writer Ben Nicholson-Smith, uh, tweeted out, uh, RIP Bob Gibson. As a fielder, he won nine gold gloves. As a hitter, he hit 24 regular season home runs and two more in the World Series. Oh. In the playoffs, the pitcher, Bob Gibson, not the hitter, he had a 189 ERA, and he was a two-time World Series MVP. As a pitcher, just dominant. Imagine sustaining a 1.12 ERA for 304 and two-thirds innings, as he did in 1968. 304 innings, 1.12 ERA. That is the stuff of legends. Patrick, I know you got a, a quote here. Uh, I'd love to hear you read that and get your thoughts on Bob Gibson passing away. Absolutely. Uh, before we, before I read the quote, I just want to say it's kind of sad. It's it does suck when we talk about some of the legends uh, that pass away in baseball. I remember earlier uh, in the year we talked about Tom Seaver, and another uh, another all timer passes away. If I had to build a rotation with uh, with five pitchers from any point in the history of baseball. The only lock that I can think of right now that I would absolutely want to have in my lineup is Bob Gibson. Mm -hmm. The man was just a ferocious competitor. Uh, he was not afraid to throw pitches to brush you back. He was unbelievably dominant in the most crucial circumstances. Yeah. And, you know... As impressive as it is that he was able to win nine gold gloves as an excellent fielding pitcher, mm -hmm. he could also hit the ball really, really well. It's he could just do everything, and it doesn't. It, you know, it's very sad. And I saw that a lot of a lot of baseball Twitter was talking about Bob Gibson for a day or two, and um, you know, it's sad. That that's what you know brings it up. Uh, there's a nice little piece for Bob Gibson in uh, Ken Burns' documentary about baseball. Yeah. Um, but I absolutely love this quote from Dusty Baker. Uh, this was pulled off of the uh, Wikipedia page, I believe, for Bob Gibson. <clears throat> uh, so I'll just read the whole thing here. So, quote: uh, Hank Aaron told me. Don't dig in against Bob Gibson. He'll knock you down. He'd knock down his own grandmother if she dared to challenge him. Don't stare at him. Don't smile at him. Don't talk to him. He doesn't like it. If you happen to hit a home run, don't run too slow. Don't run too fast. If you happen to want to celebrate, get in the tunnel first. And if he hits you, don't charge the mound because he's a gold glove boxer. I'm like, damn, what about my 17-game hitting streak? 
that was the night it ended. And that's a quote from Dusty Baker, who he was basically transmitting a, a quote from Hank Aaron, who is, for my money, the best home run hitter ever to play. Amen. Um, unbelievably consistent hitter, and he was. It seems to me like he was scared of Bob Gibson, and I think that tells you everything you need to know about the ferocity of Bob Gibson on the mound. You just didn't want to face him. And if you had a hitting streak and you were going up against him, the hitting streak was going to end. That's just the way that it was. It's it's very sad, um, but, you know, as these guys get older, I think we need to learn how to find ways to appreciate them uh, mm-hmm. while they're still here. And um, in the meantime, though, R.I.P. Bob Gibson. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to dig in against the guy who averaged 17 complete games per 162 game average. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he he just um, just a beast, one of the true like like just absolute workhorse pitchers in history. Yeah, I mean, he he's kind of in the same vein as other pitchers from the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. Like, um, remember we've talked about Burt. Ferguson Jenkins and uh we talked about uh Jim Cat on this on the program before. These are guys who would log heavy, heavy innings in the sixties and seventies. And it's just you just don't see it anymore. The last guy that we saw that was anything like that was probably Mark Burley. True. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get into the the meat here now. Rest in peace, Bob Gibson. We will not forget you anytime soon. So, we haven't done an episode since after the Jays lost Game One to Tampa Bay. We were gonna do one Game Two. Um, I think you said you you had some rolling blackouts that night. The power I did, yeah. Rain, and then uh, the thumping that we took really just demoralized the living shit out of us. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. then, then of course, scheduling just hasn't been great. But we're here now. Um, Obviously, Jays fans, we all know that we lost Game Two, eight to two against Tampa Bay. Um, Hunjin Ryu was not great in that game. He gave up seven runs very quickly, uh, including a grand slam, which many people think shouldn't have happened. He should have been pulled by then, and I tend to agree with that. But again, in the past, but we did see some positives. Big Nate Pearson came in. He threw twelve pitches, got three strikeouts. Uh, and absolutely just blew away at Tampa Bay Rays hitters. He hit 101 on one of his pitches, and it was the fastest pitch recorded by a Blue Jays pitcher ever in franchise history. It beat out Brandon, one of Brandon Morrow's fastballs. Wow. Um, another bright spot was uh, Denny Jansen. He actually did hit two home runs, and they were actually like bombs too. Um, it's nice to see a guy like Danny, I guess, in what was the last game of the season. He did finish the season pretty strong. Uh, and definitely at least solidified that he's going to get another shot, in my mind, at, uh, at being the Jays' primary catcher next season. And really, we'll, we can talk about that in one of our follow-up episodes, but we're not really sure who's going to be the backup, if it's going to be Reese McGuire or Alejandro Kirk, if they'll keep him on a big league team, or if they'll go out and get somebody different. But I think, really, what, are, what were your feelings about the series, Patrick? Like, are you, are, you, are you mad, sad that we lost? Are you just happy that it happened? Like, what's your feelings right now? I think I'm, I'm, sad, I'm sad the team got absolutely whipped in the second game. Yeah. I'm not surprised we lost to Tampa. I was definitely um, a glass-half-full kind of guy watching these games. I had hoped we would have been able to steal that first game 
um, it just it didn't happen. And um, there's no point in being mad about it because this is a young team. We weren't expected to be here. We made it. We tried to make noise, but ultimately Tampa Bay is just a great team. Just a great team with unbelievably good pitching. Uh, it's not <laughs> it's not uh, looking the best right now, but we'll get into that when we're talking about the uh, the, the division series games. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know if there's much else to say except like we got to see some cool stuff happen. And um, if anything, this is really going to inspire a lot of those young Jays uh, to compete next season. I think Bo Bichette's going to come into the season with a gigantic chip on his shoulder. He's going to want to make up for those errors. And um, I I think, if anything, he's going to bounce back ten times angrier. And I I don't think we're going to like Bo Bichette angry. I think he's going to hit a lot of baseballs very far. Yeah. I'm I'm with you. I I'm honestly I'm I'm still happy that we got to see the Blue Jays play two games in the postseason. Again, it's something that none of us really um, thought was a a large probability. Uh, and I think really, I mean, the biggest things that we can take away from from this series are the fact that now our our kids didn't know what playoff baseball is like. Um, and I think that we we really just need to to take this and learn from it. Like you said, guys like Boba Shed who didn't have their best two games are going to come back really fired up. Anything else to add on this series, Patrick, before we move on? Yeah, I mean, uh, this is more of a looking back kind of thing, but do you feel like the Jays might have overachieved a little bit this year? A hundred percent. I guess we'll talk about it a little bit more now that the season is over uh, in the future. But I was just looking back, thinking about like how the season's done, uh, and you know, even though Tampa Bay kicked our asses, and uh, fair play to them, they kicked our asses. That's just the way that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it still felt like we exceeded yeah. what what we were capable of. I mean, our our run differential ended up being negative ten, and our Pythagorean win percentage was below five hundred, and we finished four games above. So yeah. Um, our, our pitching definitely didn't play well enough to finish the way we did overall. Like, I mean, Hunjin Ryu in his final start of the regular season became the only Blue Jays starter to throw a pitch in the seventh inning all season. In six, and that was like game 58 or something like that. So you, that tells you really how well, the, or how not well the team pitched on the starters wise. So, I mean, yeah, we definitely overachieved a little bit, but we were still the eighth best team in the American League. And, and deserve to be in that eighth spot. So it's not like we didn't deserve the position that we got because there was no other team that was better than us for that eighth position. So Yeah, also that was the first clunker that Ryu threw the whole season. The first one that he absolutely got shellacked. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, yeah, it's bad timing. But I don't know. We've seen yeah. this with other teams who you could argue overachieved all the time, especially yeah. the o- Oakland Athletics. they just get very untimely uh bad luck when it comes to their pitching in the playoffs we've seen it for the last 20 years uh (laughs) it looks like it's continuing now um but that's kind of that's the kind of the way of it though that's kind of the way it goes yeah well i mean now that the season's over we get to get into the fun stuff and as blue jays fans are so good at looking towards the future uh (laughs) next year 
And yeah. so let's let's not forget that really this this is an up and coming ball club. I mean, there's been a lot of people talking about how this could just be the first taste of of a playoff series against the Rays. And I mean, it seems like the Rays, Jays, and Yankees are likely for the next couple of years at least going to separate themselves as the teams to beat in the East. And and all three of those teams have a chance to be among the the best teams in baseball, I think, here coming soon. Uh, obviously, all three teams need some missing pieces, but, I mean, the Blue Jays are definitely up-and-comers. Uh, a lot of the Blue Jays' prospects, who have, a lot of them never played above rookie ball, like Alec Manoa, were tweeting out after, after the game, uh, and this is a, a tweet from Alec Manoa here, the missing pieces are on the way. We'll be back for a good time and a long time with the flexing arm and fire emojis after that. So it's cool to see these young players. I know uh, Jordan Groshans and Adam Kloffenstein were tweeting about uh, the Jays and how pumped they were to come help this team eventually. So uh, what are your thoughts on these young guys that, have, again, never played above rookie ball getting in on the action? I love it. It's it's amazing when you see stuff like this. Um, it's weird. I went back and I was like looking through all this stuff, trying to find the Jordan Groshans tweet and it was mysterious. It was missing. I think it was a reply to somebody else. So if you weren't looking in his, his replies, you may not have seen it. But. Yeah. You're, I think you might be right. Um, yeah. he, uh, he did tweet out, uh, on September 30th, uh, after we lost, um, we will be back again. Trust me on that. The dude, like all these guys, they're ready to go. And I think that speaks to the the culture that the Blue Jays organization is building. The fact that these these young kids, again, who have never played above rookie ball, already feel like they can tweet about winning at the major league level. I think that speaks to the confidence that not only these guys have, but the organization has in them because they've obviously instilled this this desire to play for the Blue Jays, which is really cool to see. I mean, it's the right thing to say for these young kids, but it's, <laughs> yeah. still, it's still really cool to see that they're already trying to endear themselves to a fan base. That's how you build loyalty, right? That's how you get fans uh, pumped up for the future is by having your prospects who are likely two years away from the big leagues talking about pitching in playoff games. So this was the most successful season we've had since the playoff runs of 15 and 16. Um the the team under Shapiro and Atkins is really starting to take take shape, um, and Russ Atkins had his his annual year end press conference after the team lost out, and he, his big thing was that he he really expressed a desire to add another impact pitcher in free agency. So we did that with Ryu last season, and he was quoted in saying. Uh, I think we are in a position where we could add to this team with talent that is condensed in one player and super high impact. We're going to continue to think about how we can build upon this group. And hopefully it's both complementary as well as making a really high impact. Uh, he also didn't mention specific names, but trade line uh, additions, Taiwan Walker and Robbie Ray are free agents and could return. Uh, one guy who likely will not be back is Chase Anderson. He has a $9.5 million club option for 2021 with a $500,000 buyout. Um, what are your thoughts on Atkins thinking that they can go after a high-impact player? I mean, it's exactly what you want to hear. They See, yeah. everybody pooped all over Atkins and Shapiro 
-hmm. when they were very shrewd in the beginning. And then when they were trading off talent, people were like, why are they blowing up this team? It's still capable of competing, blah, 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 blah. But they were all very shrewd moves. They haven't lost a trade really in uh, years, if ever. They All their moves are, we are trading away a lower impact player or a player who's not going to be the difference between us making the playoffs and not making the playoffs. And we're getting resources. Okay, we already have Anthony K, who has been so good. Yeah, I think the only trade you can really say that we lost in terms of value was the J half trade because Brandon Drury and yeah um, Billy McKinney are obviously not going to be impact players for us. But at the same time, we weren't going to re-sign J half anyway at that point in his career, so they they got something for him. I mean, you could say the same about Derek Fisher. But also Joe Biagini and Aaron Sanchez aren't pitching this year either, so it's that trade's a really a wash. Um, yeah, I think the fact that that the plan is to have Anthony Kay, Thomas Hatch, and Merriweather move back into starting roles next year is super promising. I think the guys I'm the guy I'm most excited there is probably Thomas Hatch. I'd love to see what he can do if he can keep the walks down, that was his one thing this year was walking people, but he held people to such a low batting average. I'd love to see him and what he could do two, three times through in order to see how he limits that, those batters learning. I think Julian Merriweather has the most upside. We've, we've heard all along how good his stuff is and we saw it in spurts. I think for him, it's going yep. to be a matter of maybe starting the season in triple a, um, he hasn't pitched a lot. He's kind of a Nate Pearson style guy where he throws super hard, but just hasn't pitched a lot. He's not really stretched out. But I think the fact that they're letting those guys uh, start again says something about the talent that they have. Obviously, they've all been brought up as starting pitchers. One guy who's likely not going to start again is Ryan Barucki. The The plan is for him to be a very effective reliever. And that is a quote from Atkins. Um, while those plans aren't total, totally finalized, the Jays are certainly leaning that way. Uh, I think really that, that says a lot about the, the pitching depth that we have, the fact that we're not really worried about Baraki in a starter's role. It reminds me back of another um, lefty starter that the Jays converted into reliever in Brett Cecil about a decade ago, and that turned out pretty well for, for yep. both parties. Um. Any thoughts on, on those guys, Patrick? Who are you most excited to see in a starting rotation here sometime in the future? I would say out of the guys in the starting pitcher uh, part of the uh, the post-season mm-hmm. uh, exit interview or whatever you want to call it from Ross Adkins, at, between Hatch, Merriweather, Kane, Luciano, the guy, I think the, the best out of the four of them is going to be Anthony Kay. However... Uh, I think the guy who's going to be a starter first will be Julian Merriweather. I th- I think that both both Hatch and Kay will probably actually I think all all three of those guys are going to start in AAA next year, uh, no matter what. And I think Elvis Luciano still has a way to go. Yeah, I mean we have very uh, poor memories of Elvis Luciano, but uh, the fact that he was always a starting pitcher and we had to keep him. Rule five wise, the club obviously liked him enough to battle through the struggles that he had. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how he develops as a starting pitcher. It would have been nice to see that this year, but obviously he didn't have baseball to play because of COVID-19. Um, yeah. But when it comes to adding really other 
other players. The Jays are really staying open-minded when it comes to adding position players. Uh, obviously, catcher, shortstop, center field, and second base uh, are all positions that they're even keeping on the table if an upgrade is there. In my opinion, the biggest need is third base. Um, Kevin yeah. Biggio can play there. He's serviceable there. But he's not going to win a gold glove there. He's not going to be a top caliber defender. His position is a second baseman. Um, I think going forward, he's going to be like a utility guy who can, again, play anywhere you need him to because it is a position on a ball diamond, to quote Keegan Matheson. But I think really the biggest needs that we have are a defensive third baseman. Um, hopefully, Ronnie Telez and Vlad Guerrero Jr. can handle first base DH. But I'd love to also see a left-handed bat in the outfield because right now, Guriel, Gritcha, Hernandez, and Jonathan Davis are all right-handed. We don't have a lot of lefties on the bench, especially if we let Travis Shaw walk. Joe Panic is probably not going to be back. And Jonathan VR is not getting re-signed, and those guys can all hit from the left side. So I think we'll see a big need in terms of lefty bats. We do not want to be right-handed heavy like we were back in the Bautista, Donaldson, and Carnacion days. Yeah. Because that hurts you. Um, especially in a postseason game when you just don't have that flexibility off the bench. What do you think, which position is your biggest need for us? You know, I it would be amazing to find a left-handed third baseman, but they just don't really exist. They don't really exist. <laughs> the only one I can think of is Anthony Rizzo, and I don't know if uh, Rizzo is a liable candidate to be moved. Uh, probably not. Probably, yeah, pr- probably not. Probably not for cheap. I'd like to see a strong third base. I think it, third base will eventually be Jordan Groshans to lose uh, when he's ready, but I don't think he's ready yet. Although he'll certainly be given an opportunity in spring training. And if he earns it, he earns it. Um, but I'd like to see uh, basically Travis Shaw, but with much, much better uh, contact. Because Shaw has the power and he has the OBP. Uh so he can get on base. He's got the plate vision, but I want to see a guy who can make contact. We really, really need some some contact hitters in this lineup that kind of help push the action. So the idea of, as you described it, like a defensive third baseman, somebody who can, you know, who can be that, you know, corner for us defensively, and then also someone who could generate a lot of base hits. Uh, yep. When they're up at the plate, that's what I want. I want like yeah. someone who can hit like 300, 320, uh, and then uh, defensively just doesn't make mistakes. That's what I want. I don't know who that is or where we get them. I think eventually it's Jordan Groshans, but for now, I guess it's we're Martin. <laughs> well, it could be him too. I don't know. A lot it's... of fans are gonna push for one of those two guys to be given a shot next year, especially the fact that. Austin Martin has played college ball. He's like Kevin Biggio type guy where he went to college first. He didn't play as many years of college ball as Kevin did, but uh, he's uh, he's got the experience already. Him and, and a guy like Alec Manoa the exact same way who pitched at college too. So those guys usually shoot up the system faster because they're older when they get drafted. So they've actually got their, their man bodies. They're not just some skinny kids. But uh, other news, all Blue Jays coaches have been invited back for 2021. Uh, mm. Atkins says that they are excited about the group, but there could there could just be some small adjustments to job descriptions and roles, but it sounds like everybody's being back. Hopefully that includes Dante Bichette, um, because I think his his approach coaching 
uh, in terms of two-strike approach, definitely helped the team this year. They improved dramatically in all their, their batting and metrics as a team. Um, the little engine that could, Alejandro Kirk, uh, impressed and encouraged the Blue Jays and many others. Uh, ben Nicholson-Smith puts in brackets in his tweet. Um, he has work to do on, in terms of defensive uh, and get game calling, receiving, uh, but has a definitely on the big league radar for 2021. Uh, and, and Atkins basically said, I hope he puts us in a position to make a very difficult decision. And it sounds mm-hmm. as though the Jays are going to be working through what their payroll is going to look like beyond 2021. Uh, Atkins uh, says the Jays intend to add, but didn't get into specifics or directly answer when asked, like, how much are they going to spend? Um, it is possible that Austin Martin and Jordan Groshans could debut for next year's Blue Jays. Not necessarily likely, but as we saw with Kirk, strong performance paired with opportunity and obviously need can accelerate things. Uh, to quote Atkins, it's fair to say that could happen. Yeah. Um, and then the last note from Ben Nicholson-Smith here, great thread, by the way, from Ben. Uh, Blue Jays believe that Vlad Guerrero Jr. is embracing the challenge of becoming an elite hitter. Atkins said, I don't think he has to necessarily hit the ball in the air more. Certainly some great hitters. Uh, Soto Yelich, the May, who hit many grounders and a shit ton of hard-ass line drives. Um, I feel like he might not thing. he might not quite understand what, what launch angle is. but Yeah, but the biggest thing about Vladi is we saw him improve as the season went along as he was able to work himself into better shape. And he yeah. was putting in the time uh, to work on his conditioning before every game, basically. He, it was something that he emphasized. And again, I think if not for COVID shutting down baseball for three months, we would have seen a much different opening day of Vladegro Jr. than we did after summer camp. So I think he packed on a bunch of grandmas cooking during the lockout and uh, definitely didn't help his case. What are your thoughts on those notes from Ben Nicholson-Smith, Patrick? Anything like super interesting in your mind? I think... Well, aside from Atkins, maybe misunderstanding of what <laughs> what Vladdy needs to work on or what the issue is. Um, with all due respect to him, uh, I do. He's saying all the things I want to hear. Um, but again, every yeah, everything he says, it, everything that he uh, communicates to us one way or the other is always conservative. Uh, small C conservative, uh, and he because he's just he's very shrewd when it comes to how he manages this team, and I like it to be honest with you. I know we all miss the days of Double uh, A and uh, you know making the big splash and all that, but you know I'm I'm happy with the way things are. We have a deep prospect pool. I think that uh, ultimately we are going to have the deepest prospect pool uh, according to scouts next year. Um, just because I think a lot of our younger players are uh, only going to improve. And when you've got a guy like Jordan Groshans, you got Alec Manoa, King Clough, um, uh, Austin uh, Martin. It's just, there's just so much depth. There's so much potential that we could keep this thing going as far as like our window of opportunity for a long, long time. And I'm very into that. For so sure. I like it. I mean, I don't think Atkins is terribly wrong about the launch ankle thing. I'm just, I'm looking at the stats of the guys that he mentioned, like this season, for example, I'll go into some stats here. 
Juan Soto's launch angle is the exact same as Vlad Guerrero's at 4.6 degrees average launch angle. Only difference is that Soto hit uh, 350. (laughs) (laughs) Yelich's launch angle this season was 7.1. His career average is 4.8, and Yelich hit uh, only 222 this season, but his career average is 296. Um, oh, sorry, he had 205 this season, actually. That's my bad. Uh, and then uh, DJ LeMayhew, his launch angle this season was 2.3 degrees. Career average is 4.8. And he hit 364 this year for a career average of 305. So he he's not wrong. And Vlad's average exit velocity actually ranks um, higher than all three of those guys let me oh except for christian yelich's launching or uh, average exit velocity is the highest of the three but vlad actually has a higher uh, exit velocity than juan soto so i mean atkins isn't wrong per se i just think that most of the time when vladdy is hitting the ball into the ground it's like a chopper right in front of home plate um so I think the the there's definitely some context that we could we could dig into here, but yeah, just just to back up Atkins's thoughts, he's not necessarily wrong. Um, one tweet from Scott Mitchell just clarifying what Ross Atkins said on a handful of Jays pitching roles: starting pitchers Hatch, Mayweather, K, and Luciano; relievers Ryan Barucki, Yancy Diaz, Hector Perez; longtime Blue Jays starter Sean Reed Foley, who's finally moving to the bullpen. And a surprise for me, Patrick Murphy looking like a relief pitcher. I always mm. thought that Murphy was going to be a like a four or five solid starter, uh, like ten heroic, but actually able to throw pitches uh, and throw innings and not give up eight home runs and start. But I'm surprised moving him to the bullpen. But I mean, obviously the Jays know something, and their starting pitching depth is incredibly deep at this point. All right, let's quickly talk about some playoff baseball. So. Currently, we are in the division series. The wildcard series were over-completed over the weekend um, with the Dodgers now playing the Padres. Um, that series, Game 1, actually goes today, October 6th, the day we're recording. Um, the Braves are up 2 to nothing over the Marlins. Or sorry, yeah, 1-0, my bad, over the uh, Marlins after a win today. Um, big surprise that the Astros are beating the Athletics two to nothing in that series. The A's just cannot win a division series baseball game, and the, <laughs> the Yankees and Rays play tonight as well. With the Yankees leading that series one to nothing. Um, it seems as though the Braves and uh, Astros are on their way to easy series wins. Would you say that's pretty safe to assume, Patrick? Um. Man, it's the Marlins and A's have to win three in a row. So, (laughs) yeah, well, it's a best of five series. Atlanta only leads one nothing. Um, That's right. Sorry. Yeah, my fault. And yeah, this is actually the first game, the first playoff game the Miami Marlins have ever lost in their franchise history. Incredibly insane. (laughs) (laughs) Very much so. Um, I don't know, man. It's. I would say, like, out of everybody who I think is in trouble right now, which is any team who hasn't won a game, uh, <laughs> I think I think the team in the most trouble is probably, what, from what I saw, the Rays. Really? I, I, would, I would have the least concern about the Rays. I, I, think, I think the A's are just going to roll over and die against the Astros in Game 3. I think, <laughs> the, I think the Marlins are 
just not a good baseball team compared to the Braves. But I think the Rays have everything that they need to beat the Yankees. They gave up four home runs in game one, which is highly uncharacteristic. I think we'll see them bounce back tonight. But I think my ALCS predictions, even though the Rays, I think, have the best chance of coming back, I'm thinking Yankees, Astros, boo. And then I think we'll see the Padres actually beat the Dodgers because the Dodgers just can't get it done in the playoffs. And I think the Braves will will, will move on to the, the NLCS to play the Padres there. I'd love to see the Padres go through. They're an exciting team. oh man i'm gonna call it now the alcs is gonna be the houston astros the new york yankees it's not a surprise the nlcs on the other hand get ready because this is going to be a very spicy meatball it's going to be the san diego padres taking on the atlanta braves in spicy at all it's the exact same thing i said (laughs) well (laughs) uh as much as I think Los Angeles is built to win World Series, they haven't won a World Series, and they're not going to win a World Series. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I just think the San Diego team, they have everything. Clev is pitching tonight. He's back. He's healthy. Um, they have everything they need in place right now. So I, I just don't – I don't know. Playoff Kershaw – Versus all them young guns. I don't know. This is wild. Fair enough. That yeah, we're gonna see. Uh, we'll see what happens as we record our next episode. So the the are... perfect World Series for me though. Before we finish, the perfect World Series for me is the Oakland Athletics and San Diego Padres. Uh, nothing would make me happier. Yeah, well, the A's have some work to do. But yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> looking ahead, as as you heard the talk, this is episode ninety nine. We are almost on. We're on the cusp of episode one hundred. We aren't sure exactly when we're going to be releasing episode one hundred. We're working on a few things, trying to make it big. Uh, it might mean we take a couple weeks or whatever it may be. Hopefully, not that long. While we work on making a great show, we will be putting out our Blue Jays grades, our making the grade episodes. We will be continuing the tradition of that. It'll be a little bit different this season. We're not going to focus so deeply on just barfing out a bunch of stats at people. Instead, we'll actually be taking a a couple of statistics from each player and really diving into what that means from a fan's perspective. And then, of course, we also want to know what you want to see from us. So you can hit us up on Twitter, at Podcasts, send us a message, Tweet at us, tell us we're garbage, do whatever you want, tell us what you want to see on the podcast, who you want to see on the podcast, guest-wise, and if you've got any questions at all about what anything that we said, or you want to fact-check us, like I'm about, I'm just about to fact-check Patrick, because you, you called Anthony Rizzo a third baseman, he's a first baseman, I just didn't want to interrupt you in the middle of your statement. You're Why did I think he was it. a third baseman? You're thinking of Chris Bryant, but anyway... <laughs> do you think? Uh, do you think he moves? Do you think Chris Bryant is available for the right... As, as they're saying business, everything has a price. But I don't think he's going anywhere. But anyway, uh, we're going to wrap up the episode there. Episode 99 of BFMD. Check us out on Spotify. We're on Anchor, iTunes, uh, Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podbean, wherever you listen to a podcast, you can probably find us. There's probably even some places that we don't know about. Um, today, we're going to leave you with a song that will help us feel a little bit better about losing Blink-182's Damn It. 
For Patrick Marsh, I'm Justin Anderson, and we will see you next time.